Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. I believe this is a season at Gateway where God is growing a hunger in our hearts for His presence. There's this passage of scripture, a story in the Old Testament, it's quite an obscure story, you probably haven't uh, paid too much attention to it in the past, that God's just been impressing on my heart over the last uh, few weeks as I've been praying about what God has, uh, has got for us uh, this year. It's the story of Obed-Edom and, and uh, the, almost the coincidence, or we, we know it's actually God's providence, that the Ark of the Covenant actually ended up in his lounge room. Now, the Ark Ark of the Covenant was about this size. It was a little more ornate than a coffee table and a toy box stuck together, Uh, but it was almost exactly... It was almost exactly this size and it was carried uh, on some golden poles and only certain people uh, could, could carry it, they had to consecrate themselves and uh, you couldn't come too close to the Ark of the Covenant because this is where the presence of God would dwell with his people. You see, when, when, when Moses is in uh, the desert, the, God has rescued his people from Egypt and uh, they're at Mount Sinai and people are already starting to worship other gods. God in his grace renews his covenant with his chosen people. And he gives them, you know, some agreements to that covenant, the Ten Commandments. This is it's kind of like, you know, a marriage agreement, promises that a, that a husband and wife make to each other on a wedding day. You know, God makes these kind of promises uh, with his chosen people on Mount Sinai. And the agreement is formed on, on uh, tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. And then God tells Moses to put the agreement of that covenant, the Ten Commandments, in an ark, in a, in a timber box. And he said, upon, upon the, the, the covenant that we've made together, there I will dwell. And so this ark, this timber box with the terms of the covenant was placed inside a tent in the desert called the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. And it was a place where Moses, to begin with, was the only one who could go in and he could meet with God and and he was transformed by the presence of God, by the glory of God. God would presence himself upon the ark of the covenant, the agreement that they'd made and Moses would come out transformed and the people of Israel would know that God was with them. And then through history... You know, the Ark of the Covenant was, uh, you know, was placed in the tabernacle wherever Israel settled and one day, you know, in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And the only people who could get close to the Ark of the Covenant where the very presence, the glory of God dwelled, you know, was one of the high priests once a year. 
and they would, they would come in and they would offer sacrifices, blood sacrifices for, on behalf of the sins of all the people. And it was so scary going into the presence of God, into the inner sanctum where God dwelled, that they would, they would put, among other things, they would put a rope around the high uh, priest's ankle so in case he died in the powerful presence of God, they could drag him back out because nobody else was allowed to go in there. This, this was uh, where God dwelled in incredible power upon the covenant that he'd made with his people. And we see that as, as Joshua leads the people out of the wilderness and to the promised land, the, the Levites, the priests, they carry the ark into the river Jordan and the water stops flowing. The powerful presence of God you know, stops the flow uh, of the water. As they march around Jericho, the most fortified, the strongest city in the known world at, at the time, they carry seven times the, the ark of the covenant, the very presence of God you know, uh, around the walls because it wasn't you know, their own marching and chanting that brought down the walls of Jericho, but it was the powerful presence of God that dwelled upon the covenant that he'd made with people. And in times, you know, throughout history, you know, they would take the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God into battle, and God would, would help them to win incredible battles. And one of their enemies, the Philistines, saw this, you know, over time. And so they captured the Ark and they brought it back to their land because they wanted that powerful blessing of the presence of God. But, but, in, but in their presence, they were inflicted with sickness and plagues because they didn't know the terms of the covenant. They didn't know how they could come into the presence of God. It wasn't a covenant that God had made with them. And so they gave the ark, the very presence of God, back to Israel. And it stayed in Abinadab's paddock for quite some time. And when Saul was the king of Israel, he was a great warrior and a great leader, but he didn't have a heart to worship God. He didn't have a hunger for the presence of God, so he never did anything about bringing the ark, the presence of God back to Jerusalem. But when David becomes king, we know that he was a man after God's own heart. He loved to be in the presence of God. He loved to worship God. And so he decides to bring the ark of the covenant where God would dwell with his people back to Jerusalem. And this is how the ark, the very presence of God, ends up in Obed-Edom's lounge room. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 13. It says, They moved the ark of God from Abinadab's house on a new cart with Uzzah and Ohio guiding it. David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before God. Now God was present with songs and with harps, lyres, timbrels, cymbals and trumpets. When they came to the threshing floor of Kidon, Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah and he struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark. And so he died there before God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah and to this day that place is called Perez Uzzah. 
David was afraid of God that day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? He did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. You know, we see in this story that the presence of God is powerful. That there's power to bless and to curse. There's power to give life and there's power to take life. You know, Uzzah reaches out and, and touches the ark. He gets closer to the ark than what the covenant allowed. And he was struck down dead. He, he, didn't, he didn't reach out to touch God according to the agreement that they'd made. And, and there's this powerful encounter and he's struck down dead in the presence of God. The presence of God is powerful and the presence of God is personal. You know, David's so scared of how powerful the presence of God is, he says, I don't want the ark at my place anymore. I'll leave it at Obed Edom's place. And here is the presence of God, you know, dwelling in one man's house. You see, we need to understand that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's, there's nowhere, as Tim read before, there's nowhere that you can go that is outside of God's presence. He is the transcendent God of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. And in him we live and we move and we have our being. He holds all things together in his hands. He's a transcendent God. He is distant. He is different. He is distinct from us. He is set apart. He's the holy of holies. He is different and distant from a sin-polluted people. He's a transcendent God. But he's a transcendent God of the universe who's actually chosen to bless us with his imminent presence. He's chosen to come close. He's actually chosen to put on flesh to move into the neighborhood. In John it talks about he actually came and tabernacled himself on earth in the person of Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is imminently present. He's chosen to be imminently present. He's a God who's personal. He's transcendent but he's imminent. As the presence of God comes into Obed Edom's house. Get this. God is the creator of the whole world, but he chooses to come and presence himself in one person's home. His presence rests in the lounge room of one man named Obed Edom, and his whole family gets blessed. You see, the presence of God is not just for a nation. The presence of God is just not something that holds the whole world together, but the presence of God is powerful and the presence of God is personal and the presence of God comes at a high price. You know, when David saw 
the incredible blessing that, that God had poured out on Obed Edom's family after, after three months, he decides, actually, I do want the ark back in my house after all. It's kind of good to be the king. And he says, let's, uh, let's actually do it God's way this time. Let's do it according to the covenant, according to the word of God. And so he, he, he reads the Torah and discovers that it's the Levites who are supposed to carry the ark. It's not to be placed on a cart, but they're to carry it uh, uh, without touching it by holding on to these gold poles and they were to consecrate themselves before they carried the ark. They were to wash all of their clothes. They were to abstain from, uh, from, from sex. They, they were to shave their, all the hair off their entire bodies. They were consecrating themselves, purifying themselves to come in to the presence of God according to the covenant that God has made. But if you read the story in Samuel, it says that as the Levites carried the ark of the God, the dwelling place of God, the presence of God on earth back to Jerusalem, it says every six steps they stopped and they sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Every six steps, they were reminded of what it cost for sinful people to come in to the presence of God. It cost the life of a substitute. Blood had to be spilt so that sinful people's lives could be spared. The presence of God came back to Jerusalem on a highway of blood. Theologians have worked out that it was approximately three and a half thousand head of cattle that were killed as a sacrifice for God's presence to come into Jerusalem. I read stories like this and I am so thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. We live under a new covenant. We no longer live under an old covenant written on tablets of stone that rests in a box and the presence of God, you know, in a special tent resting uh, upon a box needing blood sacrifice after blood sacrifice, substitute after substitute. When Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, put on flesh and, and came to earth and was nailed to a cross, he became our substitute once and for all. He became, he spilt his blood he became the new covenant under which we are all of our sins are washed away and we can come into the very presence, the powerful presence of God and be blessed in the presence of God every day, everywhere, anytime. What a blessing. What a blessing. God's always been gracious. This was an act of grace. But in this new covenant we're in, we are so blessed by the grace of God poured out in the blood of Jesus Christ that we can enjoy the very blessing and power of his presence anywhere, anytime. But many choose never to come close. You see, in the Old Testament, only a very few could come close. But Jesus, our great high priest, 
He's made a way for all of us, all of us, to come close, to be in his presence, to be in his very proximity. Do you see that the presence of God no longer rests upon a box in a tent? That the presence of God is actually, you have become the temple, the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. God has chosen to abide in you, to, for his presence to rest in you. It's an incredible blessing. And yet so many of us neglect to enjoy close proximity, to enjoy the very presence of God. I was going to invite Susan to come up on stage with me for a minute. I was reminded seeing her on the screen, I am punching well above my weight. You know, I've loved her since I was 13, 14 years old. We grew up in a youth group and uh, hopefully like our, our youth uh, group here, you know, there was a 30 centimetre rule. That's how close we were allowed to come uh, together. We were to keep some distance. In hindsight now, understanding teenage hormones and having teenage children of my own and, and seeing our own journey, it would have been far safer to have a three-metre rule. <laughs> just, I, needed, I needed some distance because I had a strong desire to be close to this woman. I remember the time we were sitting in a pew just like this at a, at a night service and I remember somehow accidentally my knee touched her knee and she didn't take it away. <laughs> Floozy. <laughs> I thought heaven had come down to earth in the church service. There's a desire to be in close proximity with this woman. And 26 years ago, we entered into a covenant relationship before God so that we could share an intimacy. <laughs> we could share an... <laughs> we could share an intimacy that was reserved just for each other. That's an important covenant that God designed that we could come into a, a relationship of, of intimacy and we could be close for the rest of our lives. But many of you that are married would know that that takes some discipline. When you pack the dishwasher wrong, you know, it starts to create some distance. When you forget to bring coffee every morning, and, you know, the, the, the bitterness and the, the gripes can start to, or just the busyness of life can actually create a distance over time. And there actually needs to be discipline of time and sacrifices of other things made to ensure that we stay close in our relationship and enjoy the covenant relationship that he's created us for. And I'd say in marriage, many of you will know, it's only as you make the discipline and the sacrifice that you get to enjoy the blessing. Would you thank Susan for me this morning?
You see, I actually think it, it's as close analogy uh, as we have. It's why Paul uses the analogy of man and woman coming together in marriage to describe our relationship with God when he's, when he's writing to the early church. You see, in our relationship with God, God, you know, has made a covenant with us that we can come into his presence whenever we like. But some of us lack confidence in that covenant. We lack confidence that, that God would actually want to draw near to us. He would actually want to come close to us and bless us. Uh, maybe, maybe some of us, you know, we've uh, actually just not put in place the disciplines to enjoy the blessing. And over time, there's just been kind of a distance between you and God. And there's just, you know, this is a season for you to put in place some new disciplines to actually once again draw close to God. And for others of us here, God is stirring up a new desire a new hunger for the very presence of God because you've been in a season of being satisfied by inferior pleasures and you've been drawn away from God. And God is renewing a hunger, a desire in your heart to be in the very presence of God. I believe God is growing a hunger for his presence within us to come into close proximity with him which means having a desire to be in his presence, the discipline to enjoy his presence and a confidence in the covenant that he's made a way that we can come close and we can know, reach out, draw near and come close to God anywhere, anytime. Some key things we're going to do this year that I think are important for us as a whole church. Firstly, I believe he's developing a hunger within us for his presence in prayer and fasting. Matthew 6, Jesus says this, when you fast, say it with me, when you fast. One more time, when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast. He doesn't say if you get around to it one day. He doesn't say, you know, uh, if somebody decides it's a good idea. He doesn't say if some super spiritual people decide to fast. He says when you fast, as if it's a normal thing that we're going to do. He says when you fast, don't wash your face. Don't. He says uh, wash your face. He does say wash your face. Wash your face and put oil on, on your head. You know, don't make yourself look all, all haggard like the hypocrites do so everyone knows uh, that you're fasting. But fast in private and he says there will be a reward. Your Father in heaven will reward you. You know, if there's any indicator of our dependence on the power of God, it's our commitment to prayer. And if there is any indicator of our hunger for the presence of God, it's our commitment to fasting. Prayer and fasting is powerful. Jesus knew he needed it. As he began his ministry, he spent 40 days in the desert in prayer and fasting. He knew there was a release of power that he would receive as he spent that time in prayer and fasting, getting ready to fulfill his Father's purposes. When I began in ministry, I, I felt God call me to fast for the first time. I just remember a year into ministry, I just wasn't seeing people get saved, and I had a hunger 
There was a hunger in my heart to see people get, get saved. And it just wasn't happening. And I felt God prompt me to fast. I'd never done it before. I had no idea why it was a good idea, but just felt God telling me to do it. So I fasted for three days up by, by a lake on the central coast of New South Wales. And I tell you, it was hard work. I wanted to eat the paling off the fence by night too. You know, a little possum kept running along the deck. You know, I, I could see him basting in garlic and olive oil. I, would, I was just ready to eat that possum. I was so hungry. God, you know, I want some KFC. God, I want a steak. God, I just want a sandwich. God, I want a Tim Tam. But God, I want you more. And I tell you, this fasting is not a transactional thing. It's a relational thing. In that three days, I tell you what changed. God changed my heart. He put new faith in my heart. I actually started to believe that when I shared the gospel in schools and on camps and in churches, that he was at work and he was transforming people's lives and hearts and minds. I just started to believe it by faith and it started to happen. I've seen the power of fasting in my own life. We've seen, the, some of you won't remember this and some of you weren't here, but we've seen the power of prayer and fasting in our church history. In 2011, as I kind of went through my documents, looking at some stuff I'd said before about prayer and fasting, I, I found something from 2011. We called the church to a day of prayer and fasting in August 2011 because we believed that God was calling us to plant our first ever church. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know who was going to go. We didn't know where we were going to meet. We just believed God was calling us to do it. So we fasted and we prayed. We cried out to God for blessing and breakthrough. And 42 people decided to go. It was quite miraculous at the time. Nine years later, Gateway, well, it was called Gateway South back then. is now Gateway Ormo. Over 300 people, part of that church. 50 young people. Started with one teenager. 50 young people meet, meeting there on a Friday night. But we had no idea that that was going to set in chain a blessing and breakthrough to plant five campuses across our city in the next nine years. I tell you, God is a God who still does immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. There is power in prayer and fasting. I believe God is calling us as a church to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Starting on the 10th of February, I'm going to preach much more about this next week. So uh, you'll hear more about it next week. But on your way out or download off our website, there's a booklet there just to help you get prepared. If you're not used to fasting, uh, it's good to just get prepared to understand some things. I know many of us will not be able to fast for 21 days straight. I'm not asking everyone to do that. Some of you will. But there's, there's partial fasts, there's, there's Daniel fasts, there's, there's, uh, just, there might be some days you pick in that 21 days. And we've got a 21-day prayer guide of just how we can cry out together to God for blessing and breakthrough in our lives, our families, our campuses, our community, and in this city. I believe God is going to do something powerful. I believe He's calling us to commit this time together I want to ask you, what is it you're hungry for? Come on, what is it that you're really hungry for, you're so hungry for, that you're actually willing to forego the comfort and reward of food to see God bless and break through? What are you hungry for? 
hunger for prayer and fasting. I believe he's calling us to practice the presence of God in private. Psalm 16 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He's saying, with God at my right hand, nothing can shake me. He strengthens me. When I, when I, when I look to the Lord, he, he guides my path. He gives me wisdom. And in his presence, he fills me with joy. You know, what an incredible privilege to actually practice the presence of God. What, what a privilege we've got. We don't have to go to a special tent, a special temple, a special house to come into the presence of God. We can practice the presence of God anywhere in private. And God promises that there will be a reward. I just want to encourage you this year, wherever you go to enjoy the presence of God, go there often. I, I, I got my milk crate I sit on and, and I love it. God always rewards me. He blesses me with, with joy and with peace. And, and sometimes there's massive breakthroughs and changes happen. And sometimes I just know he's there and he's with me. But there's always a reward. And we just want to help everybody find your place. We've got a podcast starting in just a couple of weeks' time. It'll be on our website. You'll be able to get all the details there. And uh, just going to hear a bunch of different ways that you can practice the presence of God. We just want to help everybody find your way, your place, maybe some new ways that you can practice the presence of God. Now, God is renewing a hunger within his, us for his presence. And I do believe there's some, there's some new ways that God is calling us to move into in 2020. Obed-Edom had a choice. You know, after three months and David wanted the ark back and he takes it back to Jerusalem, Obed-Edom had a choice. He could just live off the last three months and say the last three months was awesome. The presence of God was in our lounge room and he blessed me, he blessed my family. It says he blessed everything he owned. That'll do. I'll live off that blessing for the next three months. But if you keep reading the story, you see Obed-Edom was hungry for the presence of God and he chose to move with the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. He actually became, you know, a musician. He became one of the musicians that worshipped before the presence of God in the tabernacle. He became a doorkeeper in the tabernacle. It was as close as you could get to the Holy of Holies without being a Levitical priest. Obed Edom had a taste of the presence of God. And he said, that's not enough. I'm going to make a move to continue to enjoy the presence of God in my future. I just wonder if there's some of us, it's just time to make a move. There's some new practices he's calling us to. Fasting might be one of them. As you listen to this podcast, you might find some, just some other ways of experiencing the presence of God you've never tried before. I just believe God is drawing us closer. We've been in a season as a church where we've been going wider. We've been going north, south, east, west, so more and more people can hear the good news of Jesus. I believe what God is saying to us is, is I want you to come closer. 
I, I want you to come into close proximity. I just want you to enjoy my presence. That's going to mean, you see, God never, God never goes away. His presence is always there. It's going to mean some of us moving. It's going to mean some of us moving calendars, moving practices. It's going to see moving into new communities, moving into a life group, moving into a mentoring relationship. It's going to be a move saying, God, I'm not going to just rest on the past and what I know of you in the past, but I am going to move to enjoy the presence of God in this season. Practice the presence of God in private. Welcome the presence of God with praise and worship. You read the story, whenever this ark was moved, the musicians and the worship leaders went first. It says in this story, they sang and they praised with all their might. When, they, when they, David finally read the Torah and read what he was supposed to do under the covenant and they took the ark back to Jerusalem, they assembled a worship band like they'd never seen before. And they worshipped and they praised. And David, it says, danced before the Lord with abandonment. He was just so overwhelmed with joy, he just couldn't help himself. He embarrassed his wife. Just overjoyed praising God. I believe God is calling us to welcome the presence of God in praise and worship. Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. When you come into the temple, when you come in to the presence of God in the Old Testament, they were to come in with thanksgiving and with praise. God is calling us as a church the hunger after his presence, to welcome his presence in worship and praise. This doesn't come naturally to me. I'm not a natural singer. I don't naturally, you know, uh, uh, sing and use, use music to, to come into the presence of God. When I first, first thing I ever did in ministry was a Sunday school teacher and uh, the Sunday school superintendent said, one week you've got to tell a story, one week you've got to do the craft and one week you've got to lead the singing. I was dreading it. The story was okay. The craft was abysmal. Week three, I, I had to lead the singing. I'll never forget it. I've never forgotten anyone that was in the room. I can picture everyone in the room. I, I was shaking. I was sweating. It was before overhead projectors. We just had sheets of paper with the words on it. Ryan put up his hand first time ever, so excited to hold up the words while everyone sang. We were singing, stand up and shout it if you love my Jesus. Sit down and whisper if you love my Lord. I had several problems going on. One, I can only sing in E flat and uh, no one was singing with me. And uh, I, I'm completely uncoordinated. I can't sing and go up and down at the same time. I was completely confused and I was getting it wrong and uh, you know I'm sitting down when I'm supposed to be standing up and I just didn't love Jesus anymore at that moment. <laughs> when I didn't think it could get any worse, John O'Cheel stepped forward and pulled Ryan's shorts down while he was holding the words and Ryan had no undies on and so he... <laughs> He is dancing naked before the Lord. I had girls crying and I kid you not, I got called before the elders of the church to explain my actions. That was the beginning of my worship career. Sing and praise doesn't come naturally to me. 
I've had to learn and I've had to discipline myself to enjoy the presence of God in praise. What I've found is that praise is powerful to usher us into the presence of God. It changes me. It changes my heart. It changes my mind. It refreshes my soul. It strengthens me to go on. Praise is powerful. We really want our praise and worship songs to become your heart language this year. So you're actually practicing his presence in worship during the week. And when you're coming here, you know the words of the song. Your just heart is already full of worship. And your worship is not just a gift to God, but it's a gift to each other. So our creative team have done a great job of putting together a presence playlist. Just songs that we're going to sing here as a, as a congregation that can actually become your heart language. Download it, get it in your car, get it in your iPod. Welcome the presence of God with praise and worship. It is powerful. Let me race through these last three. Uh, we'll talk about them more in weeks to come. We're going to become his healing presence in community. God actually calls us. We're two or three gathering his name. He says, I'm there. And we actually sometimes experience his presence through the physical presence of people and the prayers of people. Really encourage you, get our presence life group booklet. Do it together in your life group. We're just seeing our life groups as a place that practice the presence of God together, especially over these next six weeks. But we're just hoping and praying that there'll be practices that start and ways of listening to God and hanging out with God in our life groups that continue into the future. We're going to honour His presence in our homes. You know, when, when God gives uh, the Israelites the law, he doesn't just say put them on tablets and, and put them in a box. He, he actually says write them on the door frames of your house. You know, put them, put them around your house so that everybody can, can see what it means to honour me and you will get blessed. He doesn't want us to, to remember it just for the sake of remembering it, just for the sake of honouring him, even though it's a good thing to do. He wants us to do it so that we get blessed. You see, we're to honour God in our homes. Sometimes we fall into the trap of we come into God's house on a Sunday and honour Him, but we forget that He exists on a Monday. That was never God's heart back in the old covenant, and it's not His heart in the new covenant. The church is a place where we're empowered on a Sunday to enjoy, to honour, to serve God for the rest of the week. Parents, we just want to help you particularly do this with your kids every week at Kids Zone. You're going to get a parent's cue card where you can just have spiritual conversations with your kids about what they learn out in Kids Zone uh, on Sunday during the week. And we're going to take the presence of God to work. You know, sometimes, not sometimes, We've created this kind of secular, sacred divide where God's with us in our ministry here in the church, but at work, we're kind of on our own. Let's be clear. We created that, not God. You know, God actually sees your workplace as a place for you to be, take his presence. It's a place where he's present with you. Whatever he's called you to do, whether you're building a wall, digging a hole, crunching numbers, teaching a class, you know, whatever it is that he's called you to do, God is present with you and he is at work in you. 
See, we can either be transformed by the culture of our workplace or we can be the transforming presence of God in our workplace. And I reckon as a church we've done a reasonable job in the last little while of honouring all our volunteers, encouraging, praying out for all our volunteers and all your ministries here in the church. So important. We've got 1,200 volunteers. Just put your hands together once more for all our, our volunteers. Just an incredible job. But what as a team we've really felt convicted about this year is that we spend some time, particularly in our services, honouring, encouraging and praying for you in your workplace, in the ministry in your workplace. And we're going to find some creative ways of kind of gathering you together in workplace groups and just praying a blessing over you, that you would be the very presence of God, salt and light in that place because what you do for God in the workplace is as much a ministry to him and grow in his kingdom as what you do here. Take the presence of God to work. I, I believe that God is growing a new hunger within us for his presence. We are so blessed. We are so blessed to live under this new covenant where we don't have to Fear reaching out and getting close to the presence of God. The presence of God doesn't just rest in one tent or one temple or one home. But through faith in Jesus Christ and his spilt blood on the cross, every single one of us can come into the presence of God anytime, anywhere. I just believe this is a year where he's calling us to come closer. We've been in a season, it's been a great season. I'm so excited, I'm so thankful, you know, of uh, going wider. We went 30, 32.6 kilometres to the south to plant Gateway Ormo. You know, we went 19.8 kilometres to the east to plant Gateway Redlands. We've gone, you know, 23.6 kilometres to the west to plant Gateway Logan and 18.8 kilometres into the city to plant our city campus. And I want to say a big thank you to all of you here at Mackenzie particularly. Lots of sacrifice. We said goodbye to, to a lot of people, still part of our family, but worshipping in other places so that more people can come to know Jesus in more places. Big thank you. I don't believe this, is, this year is a season of going wider. I believe this is a season where God's saying, come closer. I want you to enjoy my presence. Can we stand together this morning? I reckon there's just some of us here as we head into 2020, you'd say, it's a desire issue. God, I need you to fan into flame a new hunger, a new desire in my heart for your presence. I, I've been satisfied with inferior pleasures and distracted by other things for too long. If that's you, God's putting a new desire, new hunger for his presence in your heart. Can I get you just to come down the front? We're going to pray for a bunch of people right now. Just, just start to come. Worship team are going to come and start to lead us in uh, a song. Just, just crying out to God, saying, God, we long for your presence. Some of you here, you'd say it's not desire, it's actually some new disciplines I've got to put in place. There's some moves I need to make, some moves in my calendar, some moves in my practices. I, I actually just got to put some new disciplines in place to enjoy God's presence. If that's you, I'd just love you to come out. We'd love to pray for you this year. Just start to come now.
Come on, just the first few people will come and then some others will follow. I know there's a bunch of you to start to come. And there's others of you here. It's actually a confidence in the covenant. It's a confidence that when Jesus did die on a cross and you put your faith in him as Lord and Saviour, your sins are washed clean. That you can come into the very presence of God and enjoy his presence. There's nothing that will ever separate you from the love of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a new confidence in his covenant. When God says, draw me to me and I'll draw near to you, he means you. As much as he means me and anybody else here. He means you. He wants you to come near. Whether it's desire, discipline, or a confidence in the covenant, you just say, hey, God, I want to know your presence. Just, just start to come. I'm going to pray over you. And just start to come as Mark leads us uh, in this song. We just begin to cry out to God. Just start to come. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Oh, God, I do. I do pray that as a church this year, we would not be overwhelmed by worry, but we would be overcome by the joy and the beauty and the power of your presence. God, would you draw us close? Would you make us aware of your presence? Here in this place and wherever you send us, God, that we would be aware of the goodness and the grace of your presence with us. I pray in Jesus' name. Hey, your band's going to keep playing. We're going to keep praying for a little while down the front here. Please come and join us if you'd like to. Make sure you grab one of our presence booklets uh, on the way out. Join a life group. Get into a community where you can do this journey together with others. I'm really looking forward to all that God's going to do uh, in this next season. See you next Sunday. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We're a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.